every podcast I say I'm a youth mentor I'm actually creating my own foundation brand brand new this year for me because I have an entrepreneur mindset I want to tackle the things that people haven't tackled so for instance getting the actual premises like really going for it so I've got a local petition that I'm starting you can find it on change.org which is basically turning the old NatWest building on Acton High Street to a youth community complex uh, so I just started a great idea to have a crowdfunding campaign in my local area so go and support us we've got a page and a link for that I think you know thoughts is powerful in yeah. all facets because even my career even my life you know things end up turning out exactly how I visualized them not right. not in this time frame I expected you know what I'm saying you always want shit to happen overnight mm-hmm. but you know I just had clear visions you know, obviously outside of my grill, I just mean the music right, and, right, and right. hustling and just how I grew myself as an adult when I was a young dude coming up. And uh, your thoughts powerful. That shit, you know, come to life if you stick to your I'm an entrepreneur, youth mentor, and I'm here to give you some inspiration, some motivation. And there's a lot of jewels and a lot of gems. If you take note of at least 20% of what I say, you definitely make some change in your life, and that's a fact. And you probably know about all the podcasts, like I love books, like I love reading and max story about me i was never a reader at school right entrepreneurship sorry has changed my life in so many ways in terms of reading in terms of having the right people around me in terms of being good with money which is what this whole podcast is about finance and um it's just helped me have a better way of life uh, it helped me be more disciplined it helped me be more happier you know in terms of doing what i actually want to do regardless of the struggle um so a lot of this stuff i think the whole point of this is showing people the stuff that's inspired me and pushed me and become tools and resources and in the world where we feel connected more than ever we've got all these things to connect us and but we're more alone and i feel like people don't understand the sacrifice i'm only talking about my life now about settling down you know and just you know being around family and friends and you know it's a lifestyle shift if you really want it and i you know i genuinely believe that my ambition is, is bigger than me. I think I said this before. So I want to do it and I want to do it all. Life's not promised. I could die today or tomorrow, but I want to at least, um, you know, inspire people. I feel like that's, the, that's an obsession with mine. I feel like, like I've said this before, like everybody's life is like a movie and everyone's watching, especially when people are on. So you, don't, you never know. The, the, the real people you inspire are never the people that comment and stuff like that right and I've, i believe that you know even me like most of the stuff i talk about is stuff that's inspired me so i believe that people watch me people watch other people so i just want to speak to a certain demographic that might not be watching other people and x y and z so to be honest um for me i always make sure that i go through you know the book that i'm reading um and again the book 600 pages it's not all about business it's about alan sugar's life it's good what you see is what you get and just from the top of my head, the notes that I kind of um, highlighted the other day was like, you know, he'd done a lot of work in the 70s and 80s in Asia. And Asia, you know, I was watching some videos, you know, in my recreation time, I actually watch entrepreneur videos. That's when you know it's a real passion. And I was watching about Nintendo and Sony and all of these companies, Nike and, you know, some of them started in Europe, some of the car companies and stuff. And a lot of the stuff started in Japan and, and China and Hong Kong and and. Alan Sugar was doing a lot of traveling and business around there in terms of manufacturing. And we know when we turn our toys around that some products, uh, they say made in China, made in Japan. So we know that the one thing, and I'll go into this in a bit, that Alan Sugar respected about the Chinese people was the insane, sick work ethic. And I, like, I genuinely believe that's, that's one of the core fundamentals. You know, there's so many. I don't want to go through the list, but that's one thing that he was inspired by and I, I definitely believe he adopted that. He talks about that in his videos in terms of like having a really, you know, like he says, you know, comes from working class background. He has a work ethic that's built into him. Some people just naturally work hard. You know, that's just what some people are naturally lazy. So for the end of the day, if you really want to get somewhere, it's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of pushbacks, a lot of setbacks. That's just what it comes with, right? So if you don't, because people don't have thick skin right but if you develop your thick skin um by knowing about the laws of average this stuff has helped me knowing about it's a numbers game you know i never forget when i started like the studio and i, was, I had that little pitch and it was like seven slides and then i went i, I studied everything I, like that i called it an education hub it really wasn't it was a job but i learned so much they taught me about eye contact body language you know in terms of like 
buying, if you're going out somewhere, buying someone a drink when you first meet them, you know, get some on your side, get some keeping attention, stuff like that. So I used to use all of these things, wore a suit, so they knew I was serious and stuff like that. And I, over time, I was nervous, you know, and I got loads of no's. And I remember having a tally. I'll never forget this. And I was like, look, if I get to 50 and I don't get a yes, this laws of averages are hoax. Like, I don't believe in this. And I literally done it. I got every single person, took a lot of admin work, and I wrote down like the yes and the no. And if I had time, I wrote down what the reason was. And I saw any common reasons. I became a student of that process. And, you know, it was like, I had to believe in it because it was like, you know what, there's so many no's. And I kept going. And, and something pushed me to say, look, Laws of average, laws of average. Look, like I used to go and knock doors, door to door sales, right in all in London, like, and it was just crazy. And they always said, like, if you have a target, you're only going to get a, a small percentage of wins. And like, in this generation, we want things to happen overnight. And that working as a door to door salesman in that small period of time developed my thick skin. I got used to getting those over a certain period of time, rather than getting one hit and just walking away. And I feel like. That's what entrepreneurship is, a loads of hits in life and in business. You know, sometimes, more, most of the time, things happen in life that affect your business. And it's very hard for you to still be focused, still be disciplined if you haven't got thick skin and a, and a strong mental capacity. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's just what I think. And I feel like, obviously, I say I'm an entrepreneur and that word is always thrown around. People can jump an instant and say they're an entrepreneur. But I genuinely believe... I'm an entrepreneur for probably one simple thing. I love it. I actually really, really love the hustle, the grind, getting up. Things that people hate, I love. And I feel like that's what, again, I learned from the door to door. I end up loving the rejections. People knocking the door, go away, knocking the door. I'm not interested, knocking the door. I got all of these things, but in my head, I was like, if I keep pushing, I'm going to know. If I give up, I'll never know. That was just in my head. And I thought, you know what? Let me apply, you know. And long story short, the learning lessons in that environment helped me more than the money I made. A lot of people in business focus a lot on the money. And the, the truth of reality is, the first two years is make or break, right? The three to five years is when you're actually going to make money. Somebody put a post on LinkedIn and I started to go on LinkedIn more than Instagram. And someone put a post saying, oh yeah, I've just paid myself a salary for my business. And people think like, yeah, it's actually like a crazy financial shift most of the time, right? You're gonna make less money you made than you did in your full-time job, right? If you made that change, that's just that's just what it is. So that's why I need to talk about money. I need to talk about, you know, entrepreneurship and the thing is not just about getting money and be, that's why I always say it's about being a business person and being an entrepreneur is two different things. I've always said that. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are business savvy, but purely it's not just about, I believe you can be an entrepreneur. You can't teach it. I feel like if you really want it, like on a certain level, and there's people that go to business schools and business classes and study entrepreneurship. I met a person just recently and they goes, yeah, I'm going to do an MA in entrepreneurship. And I'm like, I'm, a, I'm already an entrepreneur. How could you teach me to do something that I am? That's like teaching me to be black. Like I genuinely believe that's just like a real entrepreneur would know that's what they are. And Tony Robbins has a massive quote and he said, people have core um, beliefs and values to who they believe they are. So if you believe you're an entrepreneur, you're going to move and act like what you believe in entrepreneurs, right? And I believe tests are great, right? Um, going through the hurdles, and that's what they used to do. They used to put us out there in the field. You know, that's what they used to call it. They used to call it the field, knocking the doors. And only the strongest survivor. I've seen people quit. I've seen people give up when it got tough, you know. And what I really learned is just about pushing through the, pushing through the pain, right? Pushing through the disappointment. And it's easy to get discouraged um, if you don't get what you want over a long period of time. But again, it's about building your mental toughness. And for me, it's like the whole point about me, you know, being an entrepreneur and having vlogs. If you go onto my YouTube, Jerome B, I'll be on Instagram as well. I put like videos of stuff, not just to inspire people and make people see me and, and replicate that for themselves. I want to be accountable to myself. I don't want to just say, I'm doing it, I'm not doing it. I don't want to say, look, I've read these books and I've read them. Like, I, Making promises to yourself is the biggest, probably one of the biggest self-esteem boosts you can ever have, right? So for me, I got inspired by a girl called Jade Valentine, right? Everyone followed this girl. She's a mixed-race girl. She's from London and she is an embodiment of literally, I'll be honest, of a female I would love to be with because I'm trying to create generational compound wealth and 
ideally that's what I want to match it with. So when I see these type of women, I always make sure that they they inspire me, right? So she has loads of she's loads of videos on YouTube talking about motivation, just my life basically. And I've messaged her a few times, whatever. I don't really know her personally, but she posted a book called The Five AM Club, and I just thought, what what is The Five AM Club, right? And she has a YouTube channel and stuff, so I watched the video about what she does in the morning routines. And there's one thing that um, is common, right, in all successful people to get up between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m., full-time job or not, right? And these routines and habits, and this is where I was going back in terms of the, the compound, compound effect, which is daily routines and habits, and in the moment they feel mundane, but at the end of the day, you're building, you're building, you're building something. You know, you don't build a house like that. You got to do brick after brick, and that's what I feel like success is. People always want to jump, but they miss the steps. I feel if you can't be dedicated and disciplined in your in your personal life, forget business because business is full of commitments and and um, you know dedicated moments. So, if you, in my opinion, if you can't be dedicated to yourself, forget other people. Forget an idea that comes from your brain into life. Can you commit to yourself just to wake up in the morning, right, at the same time every day? And again, everything is, is learned behavior, right? So if you're getting up in the morning and used to hitting the, the snooze button, when you're trying to do it at first, it's going to feel painful. You're not going to want to do it. But Tony Robbins said it best, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. We want to get up and build that so it's a habit. And then on top of that, I record and film it whether it's on my Insta stories, whether it's an actual video. You know, unfortunately, I used to go to the gym and someone stole my camera. I used to do daily gym vlogs. And I used to go to the gym at 6 to 7 a.m. and film my workout and film the start and the end of my workout. I wanted people to see that this is possible. That's the, that's the beauty of the internet because I would never even start to get up at 5 a.m. if Jade Valentine didn't post that book and I didn't get that book and I didn't get inspired by that book to do it for myself. So the key in life, the whole point of life is to see something first and replicate it for yourself. And I've done that for all of these videos and all of these books and all of this stuff is that. It's literally somebody's doing it for themselves and replicating it. So at the end of the day, going back to Gary Vee, it's like he says, everybody says they're an entrepreneur. But at the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur, show me. Like your actions have to match your ambition. And even though I sound like a broken record, it's like at the end of the day, Repetition is the father of learning. I'm going to say this one more time. Repetition is the father of learning. The more and more we do something, the more and more we told something, the more and more it will stick. And that's what we need to do. And habits and behaviors are something that needs to stick over time. So if anybody's listening to this and is struggling, that's a good thing. You're meant to struggle. That means you've done something. You've made progress. You've made the first step. And nothing's a walk in the park straight away. We're meant to strip over. We're meant to go through that through that struggle. The struggle is real. I'm writing a book in my head right now called The Struggle Is Real. Because I feel like the, what can I say? What's the right word? The, the high I get from messing up or falling over and failing is great because I always ba- I always bounce back. There is no f- there is nothing in my head that says I'm gonna walk away now. I'm done. Not like nothing. And again, this might tie into the why and being committed to your why and you know. So again, this podcast is really about me, but it's about my inspiration that I could draw from to give to people too, right? Um, so for me. There's certain common traits in entrepreneurship, and I'm only going to talk about a few because I feel like there's too many. There's too many. And for me, I want to, I want to have impact. I want to have legacy. You know, I, I have something that I want to do that's going to impact the people in 20 years. Like, that's how I think. How could you generate some form of society? So anybody can make a million in their business, and then what do you do? You go on a couple holidays a year. You give to your family and friends. You can hit a mark that you've always wanted to make. Just say you want to make 50 million. You hit that. After a while, like even certain rich people have said they're a prison of their money. They don't know what else to do because money is like a hamster wheel. You want 1 million, 1 million is not enough. You want 2 million. 2 million, you want 4 million. You're never going to get out of that rat race. And one of the best things you can do is give. Give knowledge, give inspiration, and give time. And I feel like 
that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm making sure that I can live um, my why, if that makes sense. So instead of me saying, yeah, this is what I want to like, I want to do. I want to create generational wealth. Like, I want to live it, right? And part of me living it is, is doing it every single day for myself, inspiring people and giving to the youth, right? In any, any facet, you know, in any facet, like a lot of people look at me and they think, oh, you're not rich and successful. Like, why are they going to listen to you and all this stuff? But I know that I always want to do this from, a, from young. And when I got older, I never always, I always wanted to get to, didn't want to get to a point where, I was so rich and successful that I didn't have time to build it and somebody else is building it. I want someone to say, look, Sir was in my class and now look, he was like next to me. That I think the biggest people that can inspire anybody is someone that you were next to. Imagine like you were broke with somebody and like used to like eat food together like, and all of a sudden he had a turn in his life and became, you like, I used to, I used to sit next to you and eat food with you. Like, so that's the inspiration and like the connection and, and relatability somebody can have if they, they feel like it's close to you. And that's what I feel, man. So I feel like there's three things at the top of my head that every single entrepreneur needs. A crazy, sickening work ethic. You need to love work. You need to always work. And just be, become a workaholic. I genuinely believe I was born a workaholic. I believe that. People tell me to stop all the time. Uh, but I genuinely enjoy it. Like, literally, I enjoy it. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, you know, some people hate it. Some people love it. I'm actually someone that loves it. Another thing is belief. You need to believe in yourself that this is possible. You don't have to have any doubt. Like, it's one of them things. Like, you need to be able to take risks, do stuff in your own accord, you know, invest in yourself and don't let anybody be a judge of yourself but you. That's, that's, that's the truth. And there's loads. But the third thing I would say really is perseverance. If you don't persevere through the hits and the punches and the kicks, forget it. Like, literally, because there's going to be more bad times than good, right? And you, know, you might think, oh, yeah, yeah, like you're thinking negative, but that's the reality of what it takes. And that's why a lot of people give up because they can't take the knockbacks. They're not strong enough. They're not built for this. I remember talking to my entrepreneur friend years ago and like he was saying, oh, man, like, you know, he was um, started up a window cleaning company and he was working like um, as a handyman, you know, in the day. And, you know, and that's, you know, one of the things is sacrifice, right? that you need. I, I know that, and he knew that, he knows it, you know, but at the end of the day, if you need to sacrifice sleep, if you need to sacrifice, like, it's just sacrifice, like, I don't know what else to even say, like, so he was saying, oh, I've got to go to bed in the morning, and I'm like, look, you want this, I'm, I used to go around him every day just to see if he's doing what he's saying, like, he had a great mindset, you know, and his actions wasn't matching his ambition, he would say so much good stuff, he was probably way more intelligent than me, he is so, so smart, but, when I was around him, I could I could notice the habits and behaviors he had of, you know, just having a TV on all the time or not really every day. Like, it needs to be every other day, every day. And, I, and again, I'm putting my hands up saying I'm not 100% consistent across the board, but I definitely know it's more 80, 90%. You know, you're meant to fall off now and again to see where you can go wrong and build, right? But if you're consistently going wrong or consistently going in the wrong direction, then we need to address that and talk about, talk about that. But on an overall, he was saying, oh, I've got to go to sleep. Like, oh, I've got to work tomorrow. And I was like, I was just, in my head, I was thinking, like, do you really want this? Like, you, like, really, trust me, like, the two people that I respect the most, I'm not going to lie to you here, is Gary Vee and Grant Cadone. Because they literally are, like, the person you don't want to hear from. They say the brutal honest. They say the craziest stuff that what it takes. In, in your head, you can't even fathom. But in reality, that's what it takes. It seems really aggressive and really crazy. It does. Like, think about it. If you read 10X, yeah, if you just hear Gary Vee speak and what he says, he says that basically, if you go to work, come home, 7 to 2 in the morning is the best time to really build your dream if you want this, right? And it really comes down to how bad you want it. So when he says that and you think, no, nah, I need to sleep, no, nah, I need to do this and because of this and you come all these excuses, but in the reality... You can't skip the work and you can't skip the sacrifices, right? You can't have your cake and eat it. You have to go through that. And everybody I know has had them tough times that made them great. And that's really what it takes. There's nobody that hasn't done it without work, without hard times, right? Even the people, that, I think the people that have made it the most, go and look at their story, right? Go and look at their story when they could have just gave up or just quit because of this happened and that happened and this happened. They could have, but 
At the end of the day, and this will lead into the reference of the book, you need to have perseverance, right? Go and Google what that is and apply that. And it's not easy, but repetition, like I said, is the father of learning. So this book I'm going to drop right now is called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And the basis of the book, right? <clears throat> and I'll go and pull it up right now because I got it just over there. The ancient art of turning adversity into advantage. And you might think, what does that mean? So if you look at all of these successful people, everybody's had a massive problems that's become the biggest thing from them. And I'll make a few examples, right? And I can only make examples from people that I've, I've, I can relate to and that are close to me. Not in like relationship like I know them, but I believe I can do it because I've seen it. People like um, Dave. Dave went through pain with his brother going to jail. He turned and became, that became the catalyst of his success. Why he was driven so much. Because he wanted to change the, the notion of like, you know, being a young black male and going one way and, you know, making your mum down. And now he's like, bring his mum on stage doing Brits and Mercury's and whatever. Right, so that was his, that was his adversity he had to overcome. <clears throat> Krebs and Conan, Krebs, Conan specifically, he, you know, he's got a, a song called My Story. He was on the road thing, man and running up in his yard, shot and killed his stepdad, right? And he said he's not going to retaliate and just do music and open Krebs and Cones and, and create a hot, like, this is what I'm saying. We're seeing a new generation of music artists that are like, basically entrepreneurs but they're fast tracking it because of the internet and because things can just get done um simple and that's just two examples there's so many examples and in this book the basis of it is that basically you have zero percent control of what happens to you but you have 100 percent of how you react to what happens to you and the whole point in the problems right instead of looking at it like personally like i've done wrong and me 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 take yourself out of it and think what you can learn always have a student mindset so for instance if you do something and something doesn't go your way look at it differently and that is what the book says it says problems are good because it makes you think objectively makes you think it makes you think of another plan to do better so in the end of the day you want problems that that that's proof you're trying and then the end of the day you only grow from them so it, nothing ever goes smooth sailing and nothing ever goes the way you want and sometimes you got to look at it no most of the time you got to look at it as a positive thing because most of the time it is. But for me, what does generational wealth mean to me? You know, a lot of people might say, oh, you know, it's, you know, giving back to, um, you know, my children, make sure they have a better upbringing. And I just want to break down just a segment of what I feel it means to me personally. So I was born in 1988 and I am third generation in this country, which means that my granddad came here uh, and my grandma you know, from both sides, we're talking about the Caribbean and Africa in about the 50s, right? They came here and had my parents. So my parents were born here. I'm the third generation after that, yeah? And we're, for me, I, I would just, I'm biased because I believe that I grew up in the best era ever, which is the early 2000s. If you grew up as a teenager, specifically teenager, not in your 20s, not even as a as a young child, I'm talking about a teenager where you could grasp stuff and, you're, and the world is like, you grow from like 13 to 19, right? So in early 2000s, I was watching even a thing yesterday about AOL and just computers in general just being so fundamental to everyday life and it wasn't in the 70s, it wasn't in the 80s, it wasn't. So in terms of like the growth of evolution and just technology, technology in general. So... <clears throat> I just know that we grew up in a good time to grasp things and take things on, but we're still kind of late, and that will go into what I'm going to talk about later in terms of trying to get everything and apply it. Because you know what you was born into. So, for instance, my whole drive and my why is because my granddad, my age, could never do what I'm doing because of the economy and what's going on. My dad, his, my age, couldn't do it. So I, I feel like I have to do it for the next people to see. So a lot of wealth from a lot of people is built in the first or second generation, yeah? And obviously, now people cry and say, oh yeah, black, black, even though we still have diversity issues and stuff like that. It's nowhere near compared to where my granddad was my age. And it's nowhere near compared to when my dad was my age. So there's no gatekeeper. There's no 
all of this doesn't matter anymore. Like, be honest, there's more positive examples for young black people in this country than ever before, right? There's more examples. So for me, growing up with these tools and resources, why can't I utilize of it and make the people around me benefit? And that's the whole point. And I'm at, I'm at a point now where I'm like in my mid-30s and I feel like I've just started. You know, it took me to 30 years old to really, like, implement all the stuff I wanted to do, right? Because I feel like I was old enough and I feel like 20 to 30 is your growing years, right? Anybody. But from 30 to 40, if you haven't settled down, if you haven't got any financial uh, commitments, you should go all in. You should really go all in. And I, and I just genuinely believe that your life is is definitely valuable, is precious. Like, I don't want to go too much into it, but, you know, people have miscarriages. People have stillbirths. People have so many things go wrong in pregnancies daily, millions. And the fact that you were born, right, everybody is a gift. And you shouldn't squander that. Like, all of these people that I'm referencing were born, you know. Two people came together and they were born and then they became an inspiration for somebody else that was born and then that's what it is. So everybody's life is precious. So anybody watching this, man, that's depressed, got a bit of mental health, like the tools are out there, man. Like, you know, I remember like speaking to like a, a teacher today and was like, look, the kids have more help and tools with their mental health and their well-being than ever in time, right? So... Going back to Richard Branson had dyslexia. There was nothing around that at this time. There's so much, because I believe special needs kids are geniuses at the end of the day. They just think different than everybody else. So people look look different on them. But I genuinely believe the kids that have autism or dyslexia or dyspraxia, or whatever, if they're gifts, they're great. But they just can't learn in the way that the whole masses, and that's what the national curriculum is. And I talked about that in my last podcast, can learn. So, you know, we have more tools now to help people now with anything. There's groups for everything. There's communities for everything. So that's what I love about this generation is that there's, there's really good help and support in any anything you want to do. If I literally want to look at something now and just sell it and then the next month I just get money in my account, that can just happen. <laughs> you know, there's no going out on the street trying to sell it or nothing like that. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, man, like for me, it's like, make use of the time, make use of the, the economy we're in. We can say this, we can say that, but at the end of the day, it gave you the world in your hands. It gave you the ability just to even know something in two seconds. <laughs> you want to know something, you just type it up. Like, it's not that hard. Like, you know, and we can really start looking at, and I'll be honest with you, 90% of the stuff I talk about is from internet first, right? Even though I buy books from the internet, there's a lot of um, articles that I read. There's a lot of blogs I read. There's a lot of videos I watch that is a source of what I do, right? <clears throat> anyway, going to the next topic, uh, financial independence and financial literacy by the age of 18 is one of my goals that I want for young people. I want young people to really grasp entrepreneurship. It's not about, you know, someone giving you a job. You can actually create a job if you know that by at least year 9, 10, that's 14, 15 years old, that would be great. You know, just, just just the core fundamentals, just the basic skills. Because at the end of the day, that's a job for life. You, you register that business when you're legally allowed to. You open a bank account when you're legally allowed to. You start building your credit. And you can really have a great future for the next 5, 10 years. And sometimes you know, we can sit down and think, oh, yeah, we've got time. But at the end of the day, the best time to start is to start now. So... The whole point of it, right, is something, if you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and me, I like to really take things that I've applied, take things that are practical. So, in that, in one of the biggest things, this is actually from a uh, presentation, is the game of money, right? And if you ever, if you want to go and Google that, Google that right now. And part of the game is money is talking about wealth over your lifespan. So, Obviously, we go to school for 11 years, from five years old to um, 16, right? And then if you want to follow an education, we follow that up to the ages of 21. And obviously, in that time, we're going to meet someone in that time. We might drive in that time. You know, in terms of the money growth, right? In terms of how you spend it and what you do and how you think about it, it's pivotal in these times, right? 
So when you get to like 25, which which people say is like really when people start to get older and start to really become the early part of your adolescence, which is like the mid-20s, where you're really like a young adult now. You're not really like early teens. So when you get to 25 to 35, that's your first quarter to really create wealth and, you know, do stuff that you want to do in your life. A lot of people have like a tick list, right? They want to get married, they want to have a car, they want to have a good job and all this stuff. And it's all predicated on these years. And then you've got 35 to 45, which is second quarter. Then you've got half time, which is when people might have a midlife crisis. Where's my life going? And then you get into the third quarter, which is 45 to 55. And then this is where you get to 55 to 65, we're in the fourth quarter, where you're maybe you're, you're retired. Um, maybe you're, um, you know, you're on a pension. You're at the end of your tether. Anybody right now listening to this podcast, if you're in the first quarter, which is 25 to 35 or younger, you've got time. Like, literally. And and the worst thing you can have is regret. You don't want to get to in your 60s and your 70s and regret stuff you didn't do. And there's an old line which says you're going to be most regretful when you're old for the things you didn't do than you did do. That's a fact. So do it. Do it all. Don't be scared. Don't let fear stop you fear can actually be an indicator to do the right thing how about that so when you get to a certain point you can't rewind you can't go back you can't do things that you wanted to do and i remember my granddad right and he's like 80 something and he's i don't want to talk about his condition or whatever but he's not how he used to be and my granddad yeah he asked me how many children i have and i said none and he just tapped me on the shoulder and he nodded his head and i thought why would he be like proud of that but i know that he wish a lot of people do right they just don't say they can live or do more because once you have a child you feel like you're stuck and attached to that child for the rest of their life and your life and it's very very hard to have any personal ambitions um so he even just said it to me that it's it's actually cool like everybody has their time and if you feel like this is the sacrifice you're going to make for a generation right a generation isn't just five people ten people it's hundred people plus so we're thinking about how people got rich and when you get to a certain age, you don't have to struggle before the age of 25, right? By the time people get to 25, a lot of people in my generation have already had kids, right? Whether you're with the, the partner or not. A lot of the people now have financial commitments. A lot of people might have moved out of their house and they've got a mortgage. So a lot of people just stay like, trust me, if you really look at this game of money, you can really pan out your financial life. So for me personally, I want to have a family in five years. I've always said that. I want to retire at 40 years old, right? These are things that are going to happen. Uh, but in the next, I'm going to talk about it now, in the next four to three years, I need to really improve and really get onto uh, my credit, right? Um, so that's, that's, like, that's like my main focus for the next few years. Um, but yeah, I'm going to talk about money in the next topic, but... We're now just talking about entrepreneurship in general and kind of my life. And yeah, the main thing really is for especially the young black youth, males, to reduce the crime. Because if you think about it, a lot of these people are born into poverty, right? And their kids had them young. And then they're going to continue cycle that had them young. So what happens is that crime pays. End of the day, you know, there's drugs for a reason. Go out there, sell drugs, get arrested. So most of the time, 50 has a great line, get rich or die trying, right? Because it's like, they're really trying to get money, right? It's, you know, if they were rich, they wouldn't have to do certain things, right? And they're not advocating people doing certain things, but I'm just saying there's a reason why. People are poor, people have nothing. And yeah, it's just really difficult. So if you have a kid that's set up that wants to do something, if you ask any person in jail, everybody must have an ambition. People in prison are naturally entrepreneurial. So it's just that they use their skills and their talents and their mindset into crime, which only feeds the criminal justice system. I talked about this already before. So I know that if I can set my child up for a financial cushion, right, that can give them some sort of avenue to give them options. Because a lot of guys on the road, if you chat to them, they feel that's all they can do. Or they just feel they never know what to do. So they just do that. So they're essentially vulnerable and confused is as to why they even start to get involved in criminal activities. Um, but that's, that's a, I've already talked about um, the youth and stuff like that already in other podcasts, so I'm not going to go into it too much today. Um, talking about entrepreneurship, I do go off in tangents, that's just how I am, but yeah, that's the main thing. But 
I'm going to put my, being around the youth, I'm trying to put my um, optimistic mind in the young person's body so they can generally just build their mindset muscles up high in terms of like, what do you want to do with your life? How are you going to do it? What do you like? Like, let's start, let's start building your future from a teenager. Like I, like, I genuinely wish I had somebody that really just pumped that into me, right? And that's why even more I do it. Because I, I didn't have that. So even me now, you might think, oh, yeah, you got a good mindset and all this stuff. Imagine there was just someone pumping gas into me like a car. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the whole point of you saying and doing things is to plant small little tiny seeds that can manifest at a certain point. Even Kevin Hart was saying it, right? He was saying that his mum was his biggest self-esteem boost. He said, you're great, you're this, you're that, you're a king. Building up his self-esteem at the moment, he never knew what it was. But kids are sponges when they're young. And when he was doing something, when his, you know, he said when his mum died and he was going through something, he just heard a random quote, like his mum would say, like, and that's the whole point. This is nothing for today. It's about tomorrow. It's about the next day. It's about the future. And they're going to remember you for the rest of their life because I remembered all my teachers for the rest of my life, even to this day. And I'm 32. I remember their names, the specific ones that I liked. And that's just what it is. Having impact, having, you know, some form of service that you're providing that's unselfish, right? Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to create. And again, not just for my family, yes, but for the next generation of people, of teenagers, of young adults. That's kind of how I'm thinking. Um, but this book here really gave me the framework of exactly what wealth building, generational wealth building is. The I think the first time I heard that, that term was from um, this person. And this person is called... Dr. Boyce Watkins, he's an American guy and he speaks about mainly black economic wealth, but obviously we're talking about just wealth within the generations, right? So the next three generations can start off better than I started off, you know? So I made some notes from the book because it's a massive book and I'm going to um, exert like a few things. So one of the things is about owning your home. A lot of people are living in benefits. I made a statement one time. I said, if you don't live on benefits, you're basically poor, meaning that we need, a lot of people need benefits, meaning that there's no job in, in, the, in the system that will allow them the money to live comfortably with even children. So the way the system is set up is that you need benefits. Most people around me, I'll be honest, are living on housing benefit. Now it's called universal credit, but they've been living on it. I was for how many years, you know? I moved out when I was like 16, 17. I've been living on housing benefit since I I've been living alone. Like, I, there's no job in the system that can allow me the financial freedom, right? You can never really keep up. So I made a statement and people got mad and start saying all this kind of stuff. But if you didn't survive on benefits on just your wages alone just live even you know live and save right and i want to be the proof that you can i feel like you know we're going to go into money now but i feel like with a good money management you should be able to live how you want to live if you know how you, how you look and perceive money and even that can warp your mindset you might think yeah free money out there the government owe me and yeah i need to get money for free. like no one owes you nothing man and literally i made i made a, de a decision a while ago, actually, and I said, you know what? I'm never signing on again. And I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what happens. God's got me, and I'm going to just go through. And I just want to make sure I won't live in fear. And, you know, that's the trap. They give you a flat young, and they say, look, you can pay for it with, like, you know, a little bit of rent, and then you, the council can pay this, and then you get caught in that. And I was caught in that for years. Now I'm like, you know what? Keep your money. I'm going to actually work my ass off and really make it happen for myself. Um, and show that it's possible, you know. We don't need this. We don't need this stuff, man. And again, it just warps your mindset, man. The people you're around and all this stuff. So I suggest, you know, everyone just stand up and do their own thing. So, you know, the main thing is owning your home, right? Whether that's a mortgage, whether you buy it outright. Um, having a business, having a business that you can create jobs, and, um, you know, create opportunities for people around you. Um, and, you know, even if you don't, I'm not a business person, have some money to invest in one. Invest in a business for someone that you love, right? Um, in terms of pulling resources from people around and, and everybody really supporting that person financially so they don't need to go to a bank, go to a venture capitalist. You know, communities really should be building um, businesses. That's what I believe. 
Um, and again, only some form of land anywhere in the world, right? Um, or old freehold property. There's a thing called a freehold and a leasehold. And if you own freehold, you own the whole thing. So if it's a flat and you've got a garden at the back and you've got a car park at the front, you own the whole thing. You own the land that is on. Very hard to do, but that's something that's passed down generationally, right? It's owning stuff. It's ownership, really, you know? And if you own a business, you own that. You own your own economy. You own it. You don't need the benefits. You don't need anything. And that's the power of entrepreneurship. And another main thing I'll add is that you're never defending on a resource that you don't control. So, for instance, if you work for a corporation and they fold tomorrow and you have no backup plan, what do you do? That's scary. It's more scary when you've got children and a wife looking in your face. And men have a massive, massive um, responsibility to hold up their community and be the breadwinner, which is massive. Um, but that book really is about how to build wealth in the 21st century from millennials to Generation Z using the internet, right? Because this is the only generation that can get done. Like I said, like it might not be done because of certain things, but now we have more quality, more options, more resources. Let's do this. So now I'm going to talk about money, which kind of I spinned it off a little bit in these topics. Money is so important. And I want everyone to know that money is something that we... Don't know a lot about, I'll be honest. This is me speaking myself. I didn't know anything. But when I had a bank account, I didn't even know about money. I feel like everyone should know about money before they open the bank account. And the main thing about money, right, that I learned from Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, is not about how much money you make, it's how much you spend. A lot of people chase hourly um, wages and they chase what they're getting annually and they, they think it's about how much more you make it's how much you spend. If you become a millionaire tomorrow and you were broke yesterday, the habits, the person is still the same. So what you need to do is is, is, is develop good and positive spending habits. Um, and that has to develop over time. Um, and for me, the best thing I ever done, I'll be honest with you, I was so bad in money for years, right? And I done my first ever event properly. And I went online again, talking about the internet. I messaged everyone and said, I'm doing an event. Didn't know any of these people from Adam. They ended up coming and doing speeches, right? And it was great. I had five women because I feel like I want, at that time, even now anyway, I respect women highly. And this girl actually spoke at my event. Her name was Sandra. And she was about money and helping young people with money. And and I found that so inspiring. I found it so impactful. And it helped me personally. And so I can have somebody personally, I can actually feel like there was a friend and I can actually call them and say, look, this is a problem I'm having. I've never ever, like I've never gone to anybody, even though for all of these years I've had financial problems, I've never gone to a financial advisor. I've never gone, done a credit. I've never done anything. I think more time I was scared. I was scared, but I just learned that, you know, once you get, build a relationship with someone, vulnerability can be a massive um, tool, you know? And just because the fact that I knew her and her thing was helping people and, it was just easy, you know. End of the day, she spoke at my event. I was learning too about, you know, spending your money in terms of, you know, spending stuff you can't afford to live without and, you know, saving and not getting into debt. And it's just crazy, you know. And like I said before, entrepreneurship is not just about making the money, you know. Getting anything, like getting success, is not about getting it, it's about keeping it. And that's the, that's the hardest thing. It's not about getting a relationship. It's about keeping a relationship. And that's where the that's where you have to build your skills is is the, is in the keep right. Even though people feel like to get some stuff is hard, don't don't get me wrong, but to keep something, especially for a long period of time, it's a lot of discipline you need. And I feel like she helped me in so many ways. Is it's unreal. Um, so I feel like in terms of me, what to do and how to do it and let it stick and having someone accountable, she was the first person. And again, she posted a book on Instagram. And it's called The ABC of Personal Finance um, by Bookie Smart. And for me, obviously, like 90% of the resources that I get inspired by and use are Americans, right? 50% of them, probably that's even exaggerating, probably more than that, 80% of them is all by men. So I wanted to make sure I have a nice diversity in terms of who I get inspired by. If I can get inspired by someone that I see myself in, like a black girl that was younger than me from London, then it's amazing. So these are people that are in my community, that are in my age range, that are the same ethnicity as me. So 
this book was written by a young black girl. So that's the whole point, you know. This book, please get it. It costs less. You can go and buy food for this and just go toilet in two seconds. This book is worth it. I'll say it one more time. The ABC of Personal Finance by Book is Smart. This helped me. I got this book highlighted. I got Excel spreadsheets. I really was scared about the debt I was in. I got every single letter. I calculated what I owed. I worked at all the companies. And I think the best advice I can give anyone today is you can actually, once you do up a budget sheet, only give them a pound a month, right? Don't think they can't bully you. They can't make you pay what you can't afford. All you need to do is just fight the fear, right? Bailiffs, bailiffs come to your door, write letters to them and just say, I can only offer you a pound a month, right? If, and that rarely happens, they want to take you to court, you've actually never ignored them and you've at least offered them something. They can't get what they want. They need to get something. And once you have a one pound a month payment plan, you can spread it across all your debts and now they're getting paid. This is something that I've used. This is the advice I've given. So please, anyone, like I'm speaking from a person who's actually made some progress. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. And once I know she helped me out, I read the book. I was like, at that time, I was doing like um, a Young Entrepreneurs podcast with two other entrepreneurs. And I, I was in charge of uploading the content. And I used to do hashtags. And one time I just searched hashtag entrepreneur or young entrepreneur. And I saw a few people speaking about entrepreneurship. And I listened to this girl. And it was like really rough as well. This is like a couple of years ago. And this black girl was talking so much knowledge about money, like on a psychological level. Her name was Bola Soul. And I was like, this black girl from London... British black girl is teaching money. Like, this is that different day and age, man. Like, we never saw this. Like I said, like, growing up, we, we, we look at the Americans. We look at the white Americans. We look at the black Americans. We look at the black old. Like, we, so we need, look at that. You get someone that's younger than me, comes from the same community. Like, it's the same stuff. And I even listened to a podcast recently the other day, which was really dropping some really good jewels and gems. And it was just so, it was just, the word is overly inspired. You know, I was overly inspired. And, these three black women, I want to name them again, Sandra, Buki, and Bola. I like, literally, I want women to be held higher and I want young people to be held higher. I feel like with the success of Mark Zuckerberg, people respect young people in business. You know, when you meet an old person, you think, yeah, business is for old people. But in reality, he made it cool to be a person that was at university to start a business and become a millionaire. And I believe he's a billionaire. I have to go and Google that if I'm not right, off business. And he was young. He was young. He might be one of the youngest entrepreneurs in the game. Let's, let's be fair. Um, but anyway, that is something that really helped me. If I can quickly go through some contents that will help some people. So we've got budgeting. We've got dealing with debt. We've got emergency funds. We've got having financial goals. We've got kicking out the bad habits. We've got living more with less, which is key, right? You've got monetize everything. You know, quit procrastination, save. It's all about money. Like, everything's about... And it's the reason why I like it because it's so small. It's a small read. And it's very simple. You know, the vocabulary isn't so high. Um, and I'll read a massive quote which really stuck with me. If I can find it, it will really help. Um, but it says, basically, no matter how today looks, tomorrow's always another day to get it right. Which stuck with me because sometimes you look at your money problems and all of this stuff, like, where do I start? What do I do? Do something. Do anything. And trust me, it'll work very, very well. Um, but yeah, man, like, for me, man, it's like my perspective as a male with money in society is key. It's so key. Like, money holds so much energy and power. It's ridiculous. Like, when you meet a girl, for instance, right, I used to have anxiety. Let's be honest. If I meet a pretty girl and I'm like, okay, I want to take her out, I used to have anxiety to know that I have enough money for her and me, right? And it was just like, sometimes I would put myself in a financial situation just to look good because men now have been held in society as the breadwinners, as having more money. And a lot of men in the black community have been emasculated by women because they hold so much money and power. And money is a massive um, turning point in a relationship. So for me personally, man, so if, if a guy doesn't have money and... He doesn't want to go out there and do anything. He doesn't want to, you know, and even though people say, oh, you have to love people for you, but money's a factor. I don't care what no one says. When you go on a date, that costs money. 
right? When you pay your phone bill to even call the girl, it's money. So money is important, very important. But there's a lot of men that even 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 drug dealers, you know, they do a lot of stuff to impress women. That's how we that's how we've been taught. We've been taught to be flashy to attract women. That's the society's role for men. So when men don't have money for themselves, do you know what I mean? It's it's really, really bad, man. Like I've heard men asking their girls for money. Like, I don't know, man. It's just it's too much of a deep topic to go into, but I just know that for me personally, I need to get my money up. I need to just have for myself. That's it, man. I believe that's it. I feel like all the extras, like, girls don't know, bruv. Like, certain guys, like, even in my situation, like, just to go out on a date, sometimes it's a struggle for that to happen. Even though what I want it to happen, I want to go out. Don't get twisted. But I have to have enough money to cover my bills in my flat, to live, like, have savings, and then, you know, use that money to go out. And I expect to pay. Don't, like, everyone here is like, <laughs> I expect to pay, and I want to pay. Don't get it twisted. If I meet somewhere, if I meet a girl and I want to, like, I pay. There's some some masculine energy that comes with, I got this, you know? And so for me, I don't know what else to say, bruv. I just know that money is an important factor and I feel like men in general need to learn more about money because we're taught to be the breadwinner. Um, You know, there's certain cultures where the women don't work at all. So men have to work. This is, I think this is years ago. Now I think we're evolving and changing and I think it's 100% healthy for two parents working in a household because there's two incomes, two people to swap out of childcare. It's so, so key. Um, but I don't want to go too much into that. But the starting point, what do you do? What's the, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is spending less than you earn. You know, that's it. Spending less and saving more. That, like, I'll make a massive quote by Nipsey Hussle, all money in, no money out. Right? And I caught another book called um, Stop Saving, Start Investing. You know, because once you get to a certain point where you can live comfortable, you got money there, have a savings account that you could start putting things into that you can reap the benefits of later. And the best thing, people ask, what do you invest in? Like for me personally, I'm not trying to invest in something I don't know. And I'm waiting, I'm not rushing. The best thing to do is invest in yourself. All of this stuff is money. I brought all these books. I, I pay to go to events. I'm paying to eat well. I'm paying to go gym. This is investment in my mind, body and soul. That's the, everybody keeps asking me what the most important thing to do is invest in yourself. And that can be in any capacity, but invest in yourself, guys. That's the most important thing. All of these books cost me money that I have to go and work for, right? But once you get to a certain point where you feel like your mindset is on point, you know, that book is real key in terms of what to invest in, what to put your money in. And that's it. Like I said, the key that the first thing to start with is spending less earn more, spend less, look at what you're making a week, a month, and spend a percentage of that. And most of the time, we're overspending because of consumer habits that we have and, you know, whatever it is. But it's about really going on your bank statement and looking at what you're spending your money on, like highlighting what the common traits, highlighting how you spend your money. If you spend your money by card more, get a new card with no pin. Like, try and find ways to restrict your ways of spending. And this is all the stuff that I've used. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not an expert. And there's times where I fall off. Like I said before, it's like, if you've done something for so long, it's normal. So if you're trying to adopt a new habit and a good habit, it's going to be very, very difficult. So everyone, you can stick with it. You know, I've, I'm only regrouping now because I'm on this podcast. Let's be honest, like, you know, I kind of fell off for a while into my old habits and I'm back again. Okay, let's go. And what inspired me was that podcast. Brother Souls talking about money. And I thought, when I first, I look back when I first heard her on, on SoundCloud and I thought, where she was then till now. Like, I follow all these people. So, for me, you know, there's no stop. You know, we got to keep going. So, so the main thing I'm working on is having a good credit score, improving my credit score in the next five years. That means clearing, um, you know, all the debts I have on there, any defaults or just anything on the account that I'm not happy with. And I'm open to say this now. I feel like I had a lot of ego before and I feel like nothing good happens from ego. Let's be open and let's, let's work on work on what we need to work on because that ain't gonna help you. Pride and ego can never help any man. Let's be honest. Um, <clears throat> and budgeting, you know, making sure you're sticking to what you're sticking to. And you know, for me personally, I have several accounts. I have several accounts that you for certain expenses, <clears throat> um, and I have several accounts for certain things to go in. And you know, I make sure that for me personally, I spend while we can. Uh, manually cash I don't try not to have any direct debits everybody has different ways of working for me 
I just find it easy if I have control of it, where things just happen. I, don't, I try not to do all my car payments online. I try to just make payments when I can um, in the moment rather than this automatic thing when money is not there. Because, you know, if you keep bouncing direct debits, it's not good. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's just me talking about my money. But I feel like we didn't learn it in school. We learned nothing as a teenager. The only time we learned is when we got a bank account. And by then, it's probably too late. Was, most people open their first bank account in life when they're 16, 18. I opened my first bank account when I was 16 and I got EMA and I signed on, I think, Job Seekers 17, 18. So from around that time is when I started to get money. I knew nothing to do with it. All I was doing was buying trainers, clothes, TV, things for my room. I didn't know nothing about saving. But my grandma, you know, rest her soul early. She was telling me, you need to save early. Like, save your money, save your money. It wasn't even to nothing specific, like I was doing something with money. But she just said it to me. And... That's probably the only advice I ever got from my grandma, like, at 17, 18, when I kept saying I was broke. I think that's what it was, like. So she didn't understand. One, she didn't understand to I'm broke. And then she was like, you ain't to save. And I never really got it. We're not saving to save. We're saving to invest. And that's what, you know, everyone needs to know. We're not just going to have money sitting in your account. It doesn't make any sense. We need to have money, and that's to become a machine to go somewhere else. So money needs to make babies. You need to get money that can produce more money. You need to multiply. You've got to know how to grow the money. You already know how to blow the money. We've got to know how to grow the money as people. Um, but the ultimate goal really, and for, for, for myself and for the next generation, is to never trade your time for money and create money that works for you so that you getting up every day working for money. And how you can do that is if you control your spending habits, put a little bit aside over a certain period of time and invest in assets uh, that you can pass down to the next generation. Um, so there's two things. Obviously, I already spoke about business entrepreneurship already, where you can create jobs, you can change lives, you can create income um, and own your own economy. There's two other things you can do, which is forex trading and uh, property. So these things that will pay you regardless if you work or not. They can pay you in your sleep. You can go to sleep and wake up and you've got money. Uh, you don't have to work and invest 40 hours building someone else's dream where you can invest, you know, 40 hours investing in your future, right? And there's no way around this. If you're coming from anybody here, right? If you're coming from having a job, right? And you want to have something on the side, you have to do it after hours. You have to spend time on yourself. You have to, you know, miss events. You have to save your money. Like, it's going to be hard. But that's the whole point. Like, if you want to go from being poor to rich why should that be easy doesn't make any sense so one of the books i've read obviously is rich dad poor dad um basically everybody's read that book but the one thing i can extract from it is that it's heavily about how you see money how you look at it you how you value it and all of this stuff but the biggest thing you can extract from it and apply it is the cash flow quadrant right which is basically the four ways right to make income, yeah? And this is how the class is essentially divided up. So we've got on the left side, the top left, we've got, you've got a job, right? Which is, you've got one income and you've got no leverage, which means that if you work there, and again, I've told this before, the company downsizes or whatever, you ha you, go for, you go from zero, you go from one to zero, right? And then you've got the bottom left, which is S, which is self-employed or entrepreneur, right? So you own a job, so you can never get out of that. You're a slave to your company and you never make ends meet. You end up just, you know, getting into debt and owing taxes and you never, really, you're actually probably in a worse position than you was when you had a job. And then you have no leverage because you're just doing it. Most people are just solo entrepreneurs where it's just them. People need to learn people management. People need to learn how to build a team. That's key. That's fundamental. Building a franchise, we should go into the right side. So the left side, which is the top left about having a job and the bottom left about owning a job, is where the poor people are, are where I would say the working class are, right? They're there and they can be stuck there for 20 years if they can't get out the rat race. And the only way out the rat race is to take risks. I'll say it one more time. The only way out the rat race is to take risks on yourself and your future. Life is not promised tomorrow, so you need to make the risks so you can actually have a better future. So in the quadrant, the top right, you basically, you own a system and people work for you. That might be a business, right? We leverage people and then you can make money and people can work for you. The bottom right side of the quadrant is where money works for you. So this is when you become an investor, like a venture capitalist. And a lot of the businesses, go and check it out, go and do your Googles. A lot of the businesses that had, had help from actual 
really rich. There's people that are, are really rich that want to put their money in places to become the passive income. So this is the cycle of finance. You start having a job, right? You move to have, you know, having your own business, right? Then you got to become an investor and then you're having a franchise. So this is how all the companies were built. Some people can go straight from certain places if they have certain connections, but the ultimate goal is to stop trading your time for money. Stop spending 37.5 hours a week for £7.50 to only get a certain amount of money. So create a system, create something that's going to work for you. That's really the most important thing. Um, and learn it as, as early as possible, um, you know, so you can leave university with no debt. You know, we can get our children going to university, having the social dynamic of learning and being around people um, to get inspired, but at the same time, set them, set them up to succeed, you know, in terms of paying their tuition fee for three years, like being in that position. I knew people that were doing that. I've, I've actually witnessed people that done that for their children, but they came from wealth. No one can do that if, you know, you don't come from wealth. And I remember this girl, I never forget it. Like it was that girl, she was getting paid tuition fee, her rent. And uh, and I looked at her like, oh man, I work on the weekends, man. You're just some snobby white kid. And I goes, that's why you work hard. That's why they do it for. They work hard to become rich so the next generation can have a better life. So why should someone poor look at, I used to, I used to look at down and I feel like he's a rich kid, but guarantee you when I get rich, I'm actually going to do that for my son and daughter. That's, they're not spoon fed. It's just giving them a, a opportunity to grow and not be concerned about money every day. You don't want to be worried about money every day. You want to be worried about your life and your well-being and your mental health. Um, the last book I'm going to drop on you guys has actually been very long, but I love to drop jewels, love to drop gems. I've put a lot of books out there. Uh, the last book I'm going, to called, I'm going to drop is called The Millionaire Booklet by Grant Cardone, and it basically goes into like the millionaire mindset you need to have, you need to believe you can really be a millionaire, um, and it really just starts from your mindset and your habits and your surroundings is so 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 key that book is very good um and i'll drop one more thing about money before i go into my little little topic here so this is what the term save means save means with nearly non-existent interest rates on savings accounts today you likely won't see the money you put into your bank account multiply However, if you make significant sacrifices, such as living at home with your parents, working multiple jobs, or sharing a place with someone or roommates, you may be able to set aside a considerable part of your salary each month. Like my mum always said, you can't save money if you're busy spending it just to live. If you consider, if you conserve over time, you will have a nest egg you can put towards investing or purchasing real estate that can more rapidly multiply your income. So that line, I got that on the internet, I copied and pasted it. And this is stuff that I say to myself every day all the time, just to remind myself that what I'm doing, I'm going somewhere, right? And it's like, if you do something every day, you might just be in the same position for time, right? Kevin Hart said this, but mentally, you know, you're trying and trying, and if you believe in the laws of averages, and you genuinely believe in your core, there's no way it's not going to happen. It's just the time frame. You're never going to do it in the time frame. It's just keep going, right? So for me, I have my life milestones. I think I said it already, but I got three financial goals like today, right? That I have, that I want to really achieve. One is to improve my credit score in the next three years, get it to super, super good. That means, um, you know, clearing all my debts, that's number two. And my student loan, so everything, like zero, right? And this is before I have a family, you know? Before a lot of people are born with with parents in debt, a lot of people, people say, I want my child to be born where I went through that process before he was born, you know. And number three, my top uh, financial goals is to make 100,000 annually as an entrepreneur. So entrepreneurs struggle. It takes two years to break even, three to five years to actually build a business. And it actually takes a little bit more money for you to actually, as an individual, benefit financially of your business. So... To make 100k a year of entrepreneurship is so key, where you own your own system. It'll be great. Um, so I've got loads more, obviously, but that's my, like my top three. Um, so this is my best financial decision ever. The best financial decision ever, and I said it before, is spending less than I earn. So key, looking at exactly what I made in a week. Take away my fixed expenses, which I have to pay regardless. And then be able to counteract that with more income. 
So now I'm making, let's just say, £500 a week, and then I spend 300 That's £200 saved money. Or if you want, you could say 150 and invest £50 in yourself a week. Um, but the biggest thing I've ever, ever, ever done, right, financial decision was spending less than I earn. The worst financial decision ever, and this is the financial decision ever, which is in the past, which is getting a payday loan on Wongo.com to pay my gas bill. And I'll never forget it, like hearing it on um, the radio and being weird that I actually done it. Like I actually done that. It's really bad. It's like you're killing one fish to get another. Like it's really, really bad. Um, so that's something that definitely I wouldn't do again, but it's probably the worst financial decision ever. I felt desperate, I felt fearful, and that's how I acted because I was coming from an emotional place. So um, what does financial independence look like to me? I feel like never be able to worry about money again. Not worried about how much you have, how much you spend, how much you give. You should always be free when it comes to like, you know, giving money or doing anything with money. And the second thing is being able to make decisions because I own my time. And that's literally, there's so much things that fall under that. But if you be able to do stuff and have many options because you're actually in a financial position, like it's such a great feeling. It's freedom. It's financial freedom. You know, you're not tied to anything. Um, and the last question is, what is the one thing that I spend the most money on? I'll be honest, I love eating. Food, I love eating. Like, I eat out, that's probably my biggest habit I need to kick, eating out, but I like it, I like eating out, I like getting takeouts. Even though I love cooking and love buying shopping, I love doing different things with food, right, if that makes sense. Like, in terms of eating food that someone else has made and, you know, drinking out of certain t- different cutleries, I just like it, you know. Even when I go out on dates and stuff, like I like going out to eat. I rarely would go out for drink. I would always go out to eat. Um, so yeah, that's it really. I'm gonna end you with this. Um, I'm going to be the first millionaire in my family. That's a fact. That's something that drives me, that pushes me. It's an obsession. And because of them two reasons, I'm going to actually do that. Um, so we can have a ripple effect. So I'm gonna end you with this. It's about planting a seed to lead the next generation.